A little tired, but uh, hopefully not today. Hopefully today will stir your hearts and minds, and I want to say Happy Easter to everyone. It's amazing to uh, be together on the Sunday morning and see all the families. I know some people are visiting. Uh, we want to welcome you, and uh, you know I hope you guys have a great Easter uh, early dinner, whatever you guys do together. But uh, today we're going to get into God's Word, and I'm hoping that you'll really be inspired and, and helped and encouraged and moved by the incredible God that we serve. Amen? Um, so let's start off. Uh, we're actually going to uh, do a little something different today. We're going to be um, reading Scripture and also uh, having different people come up and read Scripture as well as, uh, as the sermon is going through, we're going to be speaking about uh, the most important thing. That's what today's uh, message is about. And just have different people from the congregation read the Scripture and then we'll talk about each scripture, and then at the end we'll take communion together as, as a body. Um, but I first want to talk to you about Easter, because I have to tell you, I'm pretty ignorant when it comes to Easter. Like the Easter egg hunt, I didn't know what that was until I started coming to church. Um, I never did that as a kid, because my dad grew up Jehovah's Witness. And Jehovah's Witnesses don't really celebrate any birthday, any, any holidays really. And, um, and then my dad stopped going, and he, he didn't care about the Easter eggs and the Easter hunt and the chocolate bunnies. Although I would steal chocolate all the time, and um, a couple times I stole people's chocolate bunnies. Um, you know, it's not good. I, I know. I know. It's not so good. That's really struggles, you know. And then, they, where's my bunny? And I'm like, I got chocolate coming down here. I, I don't know, you know. But um, my son the other day was asking me, so what's up with the eggs? And why do they have a bunny? And then I started, as, as most dads do, thinking in my brain, well, that's because the Easter rep- the eggs represent... No, 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 no. And then my wife was like, I don't think that's what it means. <laughs> well, the bunny represents the um, life and, and, and the new life. And... But why does the bunny lay the eggs? I'm like... I don't even know. <laughs> so I had to do some research for myself, and maybe you're like me. Maybe you know this already, but I want to do a little, little, little just tell you a little bit of what I found in my, my research about what's up with Easter and what's up with the, you know, bunny that lays eggs. What's up with that? So, <clears throat> um, you know, here it is. Uh, there's the bunny. What's that? And then the egg's like, I have no idea what that is. And, and that can, can be sometimes Easter, you know, it's kind of this funny holiday, you know, because in some ways it's like the most important holiday. I think it's even more important than Christmas, if I can even say that. The resurrection, you know, Jesus died on the cross for our sins to save all humanity. Now, why do we got a bunny with some eggs? What's up with that? And it's very interesting when I did some research that basically this was a pagan holiday. We were a part of a pagan holiday in, in Anglo-Saxon in the 8th century. Uh, it was in full bloom, basically to uh, bring in the springtime. It was a time of festival, and uh, I don't know how much people believed in the goddess of spring, but uh, some people obviously did believe it, and other people just celebrated spring and the harvest, and maybe there was a little bit of superstition in there, you know what I mean, uh, with, with their harvest and stuff like that. Hey, we might as well honor this god. Hopefully our crops go well this year. Last year then went well. We did some extra celebrating, you know. And uh, this, this god, uh, Estra, which is the goddess of spring, we, you're, they honored them every time during this time. It's funny. And, um, you know, I'm not trying to spoil your Easter. If you're doing eggs, you're not in sin, okay? I just want to say that. If you have a bunny, I don't know what you're doing with that bunny. I know, you know, if you have different things you're doing, have fun with it. But just to know, it's sometimes good to know why we do what we do. So you can replace that with something a little bit more spiritual in your mind. And um, there's plenty of Christians that do celebrate that way. And and, and they turn the egg into something different. And they turn, I don't know what they've done with the hair actually. I don't think they just focus on the eggs. But, um, But basically the story goes that in Germanic mythology, leave it to the Germans, right? Um... That Ostra, uh, another god, healed a wounded bird she found in the woods by changing him into a hare. Still partially a bird, the hare showed its gratitude to the goddess by laying eggs as gifts. 
that's what happened. The, the bird turned into a hare, but it was still a bird. And then it lays eggs as gifts to the god Oostra. You guys get it now? So, I, I don't know about you, but Easter can be a little funny like that, right? I mean, you know, uh, uh, the, the people, uh, People's Magazine said that $17.3 billion was spent, is spent on Easter. On candy, food, decorations, and holiday items. $2.4 billion is strictly on candy. And, uh, you know, compared to Halloween, that was $7.8 billion. So you think about that, it's interesting. Where did Easter come from? Well, what happened was they, they said, wait a second, we can't worship this goddess anymore. This is during the Lord's Passover day. This is the time of, of Passover. This is the time of, of Jesus' resurrection. So let's kind of combine these holidays and get rid of that, you know, goddess of spring and put Jesus in there. You know, and people are like, you know, that's good. It's tough to change culture, amen? amen? And if your culture is celebrating this holiday every time, but you're like, no, don't worship this goddess. Let's worship Jesus. And so what they did was they melded them together into Easter, okay? The kids are like, whoa, so do I get chocolate? Can I get the egg still? Um, a lot of Christians now think of the egg as a symbol of the resurrection, uh, as it's being, when, when the egg is cracked open, like the empty tomb. And the egg represents a round, endless, full of promise and renewal. Just a little bit of fun, fun facts for you guys. But what I'd like to do is, I would like to think about, you know, this differently. I'd like to call this Resurrection Sunday. Amen. You know, I don't think it's going to change. I don't think necessarily um, I'm going to change the whole American culture. Not that I'd like to do that. That's kind of a lot of work. But, you know, this is Resurrection Day. Yeah. You know, and, and instead of, you know, even, even saying Happy Easter, right, uh, is great. I think it's great. But, but Happy Resurrection Sunday. Yeah. Happy Resurrection Day. You know, that's, that's what we need to think of this time as being. And really, not forget the most important thing. And I, I know about you, but it can be very distracting and very easy to forget the point of Christianity. What is the point of Christianity? That is a great question. Sometimes as a Christian, I forget the, the point of Christianity. You know, what should our lives be about? What should our focus be? Um, if you're in kids' class, the golden answer always Jesus. Jesus. You know, if you're in kids' class, you're going to hear that. You know, the kids just say, Jesus. And they usually get it right if you say that, you know. <laughs> One of those answers that basically you can get it right if you say Jesus. Other people are like, you know, loving people and loving God. Great answer. Um, serving others. Making disciples. Glorifying God. That's what Christianity is about. The mission. What does the Bible say the most important thing is? And so this message and, and even this communion message is, is about what's the most important thing. And God's word really does show us and tell us what the most important thing is. The most important thing, the, of first importance, you know. And so my first point, I'm going to have Jesse come up and read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So if you could turn there, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And the first point is the most important thing. And I'm going to have Jesse come up. And read 1 Corinthians 15. 1 through 8. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 8. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I have received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at that same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me as to one abnormally born. 
This is Paul. He's speaking to the Corinth church that's a little off track. And sometimes we can be off track. Sometimes we can be off track. You know, I mean, what is the most important thing? You know, Paul says it. The Word of God says it. The most important thing. What is the most important thing? Well, he breaks it down here. And I I don't want us to just go, yeah, yeah, I know that thing. I know what it is. I've heard it before. We have heard it before. You know, how many communions have you been a part of? I think we could take a tally, you know, and, and see who's got the most communions under their belts, you know. And it's not about that. You know, it's about hearing it and being moved and really connecting with the fact that there's no way in this life you're ever going to understand the cross completely. You're never going to understand the power of God in the cross. It is one of these things that we need to continually learn. You know, we're, we're all about learning more about the Word of God. And we're all about learning new things. Like, oh, look, did you know that the background of this was this? And it's always cool to hear those things because they do build our faith. But sometimes we need to just meditate on the cross. Meditate on the resurrection. Know this inside and out. Deeply look at the cross because that's where our joy can come from. The cross. You know, I don't know about you, but what's your view of the cross? What's your view of the cross? You know, I know... uh, some of us think of it as when we were in church, we saw the statue, right? And Jesus is up there. And it's kind of like he's, he's got his head down and he's somber. And you're like, oh, I'm sorry he did that. You know, or maybe it's a little scary, the cross, to you. What's the cross mean to you? What's it mean to me? That, that's a great question. And that's what Paul's trying to say. He says, I want to remind you of the gospel I preach to you which you've received, and which you've taken your stand. Do you realize that you cannot stand before God in Judgment Day without the gospel? You can't stand. You you have no shot. We have no shot. God is a holy God. He is an amazing, powerful, holy God. He loves us so much that he gave us Jesus to go to the cross for us. And some people say, well, I I never asked him to go to the cross for me. Well, people don't understand. People don't understand. Easter is about bunnies and chocolate and eggs. What about a bloody cross? It's also about that. It's about a bloody cross, about a Savior who went through so much for us. You know, it says this is what we stand. This is what we are saved by. I don't know about you, but I feel sometimes like I need Jesus more now than I did before I was a Christian. This month especially, I have felt like, Lord, save me. I I need help, Lord. I need forgiveness, Lord. Please. You know, it's it. who will be judged more? The people that know more or the people that know less? The Bible says the people that will be judged more will be the ones that know more. I need, I don't want a lot of beatings. The Bible says those that know more will be beaten more. You know, the Pharisees, they knew a lot, but they didn't have Jesus. It's sad to think what they're going through right now. But you know, the truth is we need the cross. We're stand and we're saved by this most important thing. And I hope today that you see it from a different perspective today. That you don't just, oh, I know that already. But that you're moved. And maybe it's just that you need to have a conviction that you cannot show contempt for the cross of Christ. Contempt. This is something that the Lord hit me in the face with this weekend. But let's jump in real quick. We'll talk about this word contempt. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That's the first thing he says. Christ died for your sins. For my sins. What? For my sins? That was 2,000 years ago. How did he die for my sins? What was that about? According to the scriptures, what do you mean? Before the world was created, God knew that he needed to send Jesus. He knew that we, in order for us to be redeemed, even though we had a chance to be perfect in the garden, 
we're going to need Jesus. And he even prophesied that in Genesis 3, right? Isn't it amazing? The snake thought he had him. And God already had a plan in Jesus. He said, you're going to strike his heel and he's going to crush your head. And on the cross, that's what he did. He crushed the head of Satan. Amen. He crushed the power of sin over your life. If you don't understand the cross, get into it. It's for you. It's not for, oh, it's good for you. I love that, that expression in this world, right? Oh, it's that, that's great for you that you have faith. Good for you. Good for you. I'm so happy for you. Don't you have sin? Don't you have sin? I know I do. I have a lot of it. I stole chocolate bunnies. That's like the least on the list. There's so much more I've done. I am a filthy sinner before you. I am a sinner who needs the cross. It's according to the scriptures. Christ died. Somebody who you never knew went to the cross because of you, because he loves you. He went to the cross for your sins. You ever see someone else get punished for your sins? There's smaller examples of this and there's bigger examples of this, right? I've seen both. The worst is the cross. But you know, even when you're on a team, right, and you mess up something, and then you hear in the basketball court, everybody on the line, Glenn messed up the drill, so now we're going to run three suicides. You feel like, what is up with that? And everyone's looking at you like, you know, trying to be nice to you, but kind of like struggling in their hearts. Dude, listen up, bro. And it stinks when it happens again in the same practice. There was this one guy who just, he wasn't good at listening. I think he actually had a learning disability on my team. And we got so much shape because... The, the coach would talk so quick. And I, I, I got to a point where I understood. And he was an amazing rebounder, incredible young man. He actually went on to, you know, uh, an amazing school. He's an engineer. But he had a hard time comprehending stuff. And so I'd repeat it again. I'd say, oh, so what you're saying, coach? And I just said, why are you asking me so many questions, Petruzzi? I just need to know what is this drill about again? I just want to make sure you're going up, down, and back, and then you're doing this. Yes. Okay, I just want to make sure. We stopped running, you know what I mean? But it stinks when somebody has to do something because of your ignorance, because of maybe just a mistake you made. How about Jesus? He had to go to the cross for you. He had to have, he had to sweat blood when he prayed because of you. He had to be separated from the Father because of you. He had to get flogged 39 times with sharp chards on the back of his back with leather because of you, because of me, because of my sins. Because he loved us so much, he wasn't going to let us not make it. He wanted to do everything possible for us to make it. You know, I was reading uh, 1 Samuel chapter 2, and, you know, going through that with Josh, we were going through like quiet time with Josh, right? And we're doing that, and that's fun. And we're looking at, you know, it was, it was, it's cool, like first, first chapters. You know, Hannah, her prayer for the child. And it's super encouraging, you know. And she gives them up. I'm like, oh, my goodness, that's amazing, the kind of faith Hannah had. Amen? And then God blesses her with more children. That's awesome. And then we get to Eli's wicked sons. I'm like, okay, Josh, we're in this, <laughs> we're in this chapter right now. <laughs> what are we going to learn from this chapter? And honestly, I didn't think I was going to learn anything. I was like, wow, these guys are just messed up. And it went through the fact that they were working in the temple, and they basically were over the sacrifice. They were, you know, with Eli, the priest, they were kind of in line with that. And they wouldn't let the meat boil. They wanted raw meat. They liked medium rare, you know what I mean? And so they would plunge their fork into it before it was cooked and take a little bit from the Lord and eat it. And the priests were like, don't do that. He's like, I'll lay hands on you if you don't give me that raw meat. And that's how it ends, the story. And it says in the Bible that this sin of the young men was very great in the Lord's sight, for they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. And I was like, and even both of us stopped. Just was like, what's the big deal? Just ate some meat. 
And I'm with him. I'm like, what is the big deal? I don't understand sometimes how God feels. And I don't think God cares about the meat. Oh, wait a second. There's still, there's still fat on that meat. I need it fully cooked. What was he trying to teach us? You know, the Bible says the Old Testament scriptures are meant to teach us. So when we read something that's strange, here's the, here's, the, here's the number one thing I want you to think about. If you read something that's super strange in the Old Testament, it relates to Jesus. You go, what are you talking about? It's relating to something way deeper. Now, the Bible says that this is something holy before God, and these people were not being reverent before God. They were not taking the Lord's sacrifice serious. But then I thought, wait a second, what's content me? I don't even know what that word means. I'm... I tried to be educated, but you know, what does content mean? And he said it means hatred. I was like, I think it means more than that. So I looked up what content means, and it's even a little bit more than hate. Because hate, if you hate something, you can care about it too. You know what I mean? You ever hate something, but you care about it too? That's why you hate it. If you hate, that's a strong emotion. You actually care a little bit about it, enough to hate it. But contempt is even worse. It's like, whatever. Who cares? It's not a big deal. You know, it means a feeling that a person or a thing is beneath consideration. Worthless. You know, deserve, worthless of deserving importance. A disregard for something that should be taken into account. Wow. Now, relate that to the cross. Do people show contempt for the cross? How is God going to feel about those young men that do that? I love how it says young men. Because a lot of us think, well, when I get older, I'll figure out this God thing. God's like, these young men need to figure it out right now. It says that the, this, was a very, this, this sin of the young men was very great in the Lord's sight. For they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. What's more important to God? Some meat or his son? Now we're starting to connect the dots, aren't we? Think about that for a second. Do, do I take it into a contempt? You know, it's, it's, it's kind of, even as Christians, I just want to encourage you to think about this. As Christians, we go, you know, there's some different ways we take communion, I see. Some people hold it, hold it and cherish it. Other people just do a little shot, you know what I mean, of, of the, of the uh, juice, you know what I mean? And, and, and it doesn't matter how we take it physically. What do we think about the cross in our lives? Do we, when was the last time you studied it out? When was the last time you really looked at it? You know, I bought two books recently on it, and it's just been stirring me up like, well, I don't know the cross. I, I know it. I know it saves me from my sins, but I show, I show contempt too. I confess. I show contempt. Oh, it's communion time. Let me just, you know... Okay, yeah, I know we got to do this. It's helped me remember. But what, what's the sermon going to be about today? <laughs> you know, or... or then I meet people that, that talk about the cross like it's nothing. And I'm like, what? I should be upset like the Lord. Christ died for you and you're just not going to give him honor? What are you talking about? And I'm not trying to be holier than now, but come on, man. God died for you. If you had a son and you gave him up for someone and then they didn't show any consideration, any thought, any time, they don't go to church, they don't read their Bible, they don't care, would that upset you? It would upset me. I want you to have a conviction. I will never show contempt for the Lord's sacrifice. I won't even let Half the word be. You know, it's almost like content. I won't be. I'm going to be moved by the cross. We need to be moved by the cross. Amen. Let's go to Acts 2. I don't know about you, but we look at the scripture a lot, and we do focus on the, the ending. Amen? The ending's awesome. It's awesome. But what about the beginning? You know, what does Paul say, I mean, Peter say to the crowd? He's... I put this up here. Familiar, familiarity can breed contempt. Yep. Contempt. You ever hear that yeah. expression? Mm-hmm. Isn't that deep? 
Well, should I not come to church anymore? No. Come to church. But don't let yourself be contentful. Don't let yourself just go, oh, yeah, I know this. Oh, yeah. Can you move on to the next point, Glenn? This is getting a little boring. Maybe you're feeling that right now. And I, maybe I am being boring. But the truth is, we need to camp out for a second. Christ died for your sins. Now what are you going to do about it? Already did something about it. Did you already do something about it? You know about you, but these guys could, I, I don't know if I could hold a spiritual candle to some of these guys who came to Jerusalem. How about you and I go on horseback or camel and we travel to California for church? You want to do that? I'm not doing that. I know, thank you. That's what they did. They traveled from all over the world to get to Jerusalem to celebrate the Pentecost, right? In Acts 2. And then they get there. I don't know about you, but I'd be feeling pretty spiritual getting off that camel. I'm like, yo, that was a long, we must really love God up in here. You know, my, my bum is kind of sore from that camel. Man, but you know, God's worth it. You know, and they're celebrating. And then Peter gets up and he preaches. They see this incredible wind. They see this amazing miracle. And Peter preaches in Acts 2, if you're there. It says, therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers and sisters, brothers, what shall we do? What a response by these spiritual men and women. They were amazing spiritual men and women. You know, they, a lot of people go, oh, these guys didn't know anything about Jesus. They kind of knew a lot about God. Yeah. They went to church a lot. Wouldn't it be easy for them to feel contempt yeah. with all they've been through? Yeah. How many camel horseback rides have you done to church? You know, some of these people gave up a whole month's salary so that they could take this route, and then another month's salary to give to the temple. Wow, two months' salary for God. That's not a tithe. That's just two months' salary for God. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. Incredible hearts. And when they heard about that they, they crucified the Messiah, they said they were cut to the heart and said, what shall we do? I want you to think about that for a second. Are you cut to the heart still? Is it something that cuts you? Or is it something that just is familiar to you? Here's something that I, I think that I don't like to, to, to connect with that kind of stops me from being cut to the heart. I crucified Jesus. You ever watch those movies and you see that guy hammer that nail into the wrist? And you go, man, how can you do that? Why did you do that? Why would you do that to such an innocent man? You and I did that. And I'm not trying to guilt you out. I'm not trying to guilt you out. I'm not even connected fully to that yet. <laughs> That's what the scripture said. You crucified the Messiah. Yesterday you did. Today you did. You crucified him. I crucified him. Now he rose from the dead, and we're going to talk about that. It's awesome news. But you crucified him. Well, isn't it according to the scriptures he had to do that? Yes. But you know, he didn't have to do that. He had the choice to get off of the cross anytime he wanted to. This love moves me, and it also convicts me. What am I going to do about Jesus dying on the cross for my sins? What are you going to do about it? Well, I'm doing a lot already, Lord. And I'm not saying that we're earning our salvation, but it's a response to the grace. I know one of the things that Peter said to those that weren't disciples is his repent and be baptized. Man, it's easy for those guys. You know what I mean? How about the Christian? I wish they had that, you know, someone else comes up to Peter. Hey, Peter, what should I do? I'm a Christian already. Well, he's like, we'll just read the rest of the you know, New Testament. Figure it out. 
You know, but I know that I, I need to put myself in the crowd and go, you know what? Repent of my sin, yes. I need to do that. You know, if you're studying the Bible, it's pretty simple. Christ died for your sins. What should we do about it? Repent and be baptized. As Christians, what should we do about it? Repent and be grateful. Serve God in ways that aren't necessary. You know, I love Barnabas. You know, Barnabas is a great example of someone who didn't let the cross of Christ make him a man of contempt. He heard the message. He was an amazing man of God. He was actually in the line of Levi. So he had the priestly line. And this guy didn't have to give up his property, but he did. He said, here's my property. What do you want to do with it, apostles? Isn't it amazing? We want to do that for God. That's, that's the response. To go beyond what's required, I believe, is the heart of someone who says, what shall we do? Yeah. That's the question I want you to ask Jesus today as we take communion. Jesus, what do you want me to do for you? When was the last time we asked that question of Jesus? I asked Jesus a lot, you know. Jesus, help me with this. Jesus, help me with that. Help me on the test, Jesus. Help me on this. See, you know, it's great to pray to God and ask him for things and put, you know, that's one of the things we're talking about in Philippians 4. Put our anxieties and our requests before God and let the peace of Christ pass understanding, you know, in our life. Amen? Amen. But you know what? I don't ask Jesus enough. What do you want me to do, Lord? And just sit there and wait and let him answer. You know, I, I, I'm so grateful for the cross. What do you want me to do? And I'll tell you what, if you ask that question, he's going he's gonna to answer you. He might scare you a little bit, his answer. But don't let it scare you. I'm camping out on this Christ died for your sins thing. Sometimes I stick to too much points. This one I, I feel good about sticking to. You know, let the cross of Christ... Just come out of here and say, I will not let the cross ever be something that I have contempt over in my life. Amen. If you come in here, we want to welcome you. I was ignorant as well. I didn't know anything about the cross. Do the cross study. Just do the cross study. You don't have to commit to anything else. Just go through the cross study with someone. I want to challenge everyone to do that. If you're studying the, if studying the Bible, do that. If you haven't done that in a long time as a Christian, do that. Amen. You know, watch the passion of the Christ. Get moved. Get moved. I don't want these guys that know less about Christ be more moved than me. What do you hear in their hearts? Urgency. Well, I don't know if I'm ready. Who cares? I crucified Jesus. I'm ready. I'm ready. I wasn't ready before. When you say I crucified Jesus, I'm ready now. You know, willingness to do anything. They didn't say, well, I, I, I came here on Camelback, Peter. Man, I gave two months of my salary, Peter. They said, you know, we haven't done enough. What are we going to do, Lord? And maybe God will say, just be still. You're always so crazy, Glenn. Just be still. Let's spend more time together. Maybe that's what he'll say to you. I guarantee it's going to be for your good. Your goodness is what he's going to say. His answer back to you will be the most unselfish answer. You know, church is about connecting with God. Amen? Amen? Today I want you to do that. We're going to have a little longer of a communion time to connect with God. And I'm going to cut this short so that you can connect with God. Because that question is an important question. What do you want me to do for you? You died for me. What do you want me to do for you? 2018, right? April Fool's Day. I love it. You know, let's be fools for Christ. Let's be fools for Christ. I'm already basically a fool without Christ. So it works pretty good. You know, fools for Christ. The answer might scare you. There are times when I've asked that question and God's scared me to death with it. I remember I was, I was uh, just had Noah, and 
it was pretty crazy. No sleep. No sleep. You know, and it was, you know, it was kind of crazy. And, and we were having this time with the leaders where we're going to go out and reach out on campus. And we're going to just set some, you know, prayer goals in that area. And I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? He said, I want you to share with a thousand people this week. I, I, I think you got the wrong guy, Lord. Maybe some reception situations happened. Don't you know I have a baby? Yeah, you'll figure it out. You're resourceful. Go share. Where do you want me to go? Go to Harvard and MIT. Oh, that's the hard part. That's the hard campuses. They're so, like, smart over there. He said, just do it. Just, just do it. See what I do. So then we had kind of a sharing time in leaders. I remember doing this, and I was like, I'm not going to say 1,000. That's crazy. I, I feel like it's not responsible at all. I'm a terrible dad if I say this out loud. You know? And he's like, just say it. I'm like, all right. So then I said it. And everyone was like, and then Danny McDougal was like, this brother, I'm doing it too. And then another brother said, I'll do it too. Another brother, I'll do it too. Now, I never did it. I was so crazy sleep deprived. I only got to like 750 people, you know what I mean? And it was, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I was like passing out invitations. My last week, my last day of doing it, I went up to this guy, Miko. I was like, hey, church, you want to come? Woo! Threw it at him. <laughs> and then another time I said, hey, you want to come to church? I just, throw, I, I, didn't, I didn't have enough time. I have two hours on campus to share with 300 people. How is that going to happen? Hey, you know? And I didn't, I didn't feel like it was a smart thing to do. I didn't even think it was, like, effective. But I see Miko Mantamayor out at church. Then I see another guy from Harvard out to church. Both of them get baptized, and three weeks later. And that sparked some things on that campus. And I remember just going, wow, when you ask that question, he's going to say some crazy things sometimes back to you. But just do it. Just try to do it. That's all you have to do. I didn't, I failed. Danny got his goal, you know, and I was fired up about him, you know. And other people got their goal. They, had, they didn't have babies, right? But to me, I had a victory of just asking God to do, you know, and not to say that's what you need to do. That's probably not what God's going to say to you. Maybe it's become a Christian. Maybe it's get baptized. Maybe it's go serve the poor. Maybe it's just be more content. <laughs> it's going to be different for everyone. Amen? Let's go on further here. What I want us to do now is I'm going to just have people read scriptures right now. And then we're going to take communion. Amen? I'm going to take away. I had a lot of stuff to show you guys. Look at this. But I'm not going to do it. I think the Lord's telling me, keep your sermon short. So let's have uh, Evan come up and share. Evan and, and Denise, if you guys would come up. And for our communion time, we're just going to have some scripture reading. And then I'll, I'll, I'll give us a prayer for communion. Amen? This is Isaiah 53, um, and this is what the Bible says according to the scriptures. The people reply, who would have believed what we, know, what we now report? What could have been seen this Lord's hand in this? It was the will of the Lord that his servant grew like a plant taking root in the dry ground. He had no dignity or beauty to make us take notice of it. There was nothing attractive about him, nothing that would draw us to him. We despised him and rejected him. He endured suffering and pain. No one would even look at him. We ignored him as if we were nothing. But he endured the suffering that should have been ours, the pain that should have borne. All the while, we thought that his suffering was punishment sent by God. But because of our sins, he was wounded, beaten because of the evil we did. We are healed by the punishment he suffered made whole by the blows he received. All of us were like sheep that were lost, each of us going his own way. But the Lord made the punishment fall on him, the punishment all of us deserved.
He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living, for the transgressions of my people he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many, and he made intercession for the transgressors. Just to comment on that, that's 750 years. Isaiah wrote that 750 years before Christ was born. This was all planned. Doesn't that blow your mind? We're going to have Jenny come up and read about something we often forget about, his burial. A lot of times we focus on his death, we focus on his resurrection, but what about his burial? And Jenny's going to read that right now. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb. The next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days, I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has has been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. Thank you. Where's his body? You know, I think about that. If Christianity's not real, then... How could this crazy religion begin from a funeral? I've been to many funerals and just seeing, going to the wake and seeing the person, you know, resting in peace, amen? It's so hard. But you see them and you can say goodbye. And the women were there seeing Jesus just like that. They saw him not living anymore and gave him respect. And I love... Nicodemus and Joseph, they, they, they made sure that he was properly buried. And they put him in a rich tomb. He could have never afforded that. He, most of these people are just buried in the ground. And that's special for the cruci- crucified people. But it says he was assigned a place with the wicked in, in Isaiah 53. And it's funny how he says the wicked because it kind of assumes that these richer people in these tombs were wicked. So he's buried in 70 pounds of spices, wrapped up, and then put in the tomb. They sealed the tomb. 
and put four guards guarding it. Because Jesus said over and over again, three days later, I'm rising again. And they knew it. They knew it. And they didn't want it to happen. But, you know, in basketball, when you, when you know this, the, the play ahead of time, a good play is basically not unstoppable, even if you know it. And this plan was unstoppable. They knew it. They knew what was going to happen. They wanted to stop it, but they couldn't. And so we're going to keep reading in Matthew 28. Have Kendra and Nick come up. After the Sabbath, at the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus. Who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you into Galilee. Then you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb after yet filled with joy and ran to his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, collapsed at his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. They, there they will see me. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You know, it's incredible that he appeared to 500 people at the same time. We just read that in 1 Corinthians 15. Brothers and sisters, at the same time. Did you see that? I saw that. Did you see that? I saw that. 500 times. I would have loved to see him appear to James, his brother. What's up, bro? I'm alive. <laughs> what that been like? He's like, you got to humble out, man. <laughs> I don't know what was going on there, but what a conversation. I would have loved to have been, been there for that appeared to Cephas, and then Thomas. Of course, we know his appearance to Thomas, doubting Thomas. Thank Jesus for doubting Thomas. And what's amazing about this scripture is that they went up to worship him, and the Bible says some doubted. Even after all that, they appeared so many different times, they were still doubting. And sometimes I get all self-righteous. I'm like, come on. What, what do you mean? Why are you doubting? But what would you go through if, if somebody rose from the dead and was talking to you? Wouldn't you be like, is this happening right now? Is this really happening right now? He's like, yeah, I told you like a hundred times this is what's happening. Is this happening really right now? Yes, it is. And they doubted. Doubt doesn't discourage Jesus one bit. If you're doubting, it's okay. It's crazy what God can do. If you're going to be a logical person and be honest with yourself, we all doubt. How could you not doubt? But then right after he says, go make disciples of all nations. Wait, are you talking to someone else? I'm doubting, Lord. Yeah, go make disciples of all nations. God can work with your doubts. God can work with your fears. God can work with everything. But you just got to look upon him and worship him. And that's what communion is about. We take our doubts, we take our fears, we take our sins, we
We take our angst. We take all the things we're going through. And we worship Jesus. Worshiping Jesus is how we get to the other side. And that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to worship Jesus. And, and I don't know if Jesus, what Jesus will say to you. I know in some ways Matthew 28 is for all of us. You know, he is risen. In the point I put, he has risen. But then I thought, wait, he is risen, present. He is still risen. You know, he didn't just rise like Lazarus and then die again. He's still alive today. And that's why he is risen. Doesn't make proper English sense. But God doesn't make sense all the time. He is risen. It is a true statement. And we're going to just say a prayer right now and take communion. We're going to play this song called, How Could You Say No to This Man? And uh, I love this song. It's a, it's a Baptist hymn. And it's an amazing song about just that personal interaction you have with Jesus. And I want you to think about the words and um, think about Jesus and ask him the question, what do you want me to do, Lord? Let's pray. Great God in heaven, we are so thankful for this time to celebrate your resurrection and then to really be moved by the cross as well. We're grateful, Father, for this time to celebrate your love for us, God. Oh my goodness, the love that you have for each one of us, the dreams you have for each one of us, God. I wish my tongue could express it, God. But I can't. I feel... I feel so uh, inadequate of really displaying your love in the fullest way, God. And yet, you've already done it for us, God, by going to the cross. Lord, by, by giving up your life for us, by, by leaving heaven, the comfortable place, and, and going to a place that was going to be very difficult, Lord. And the fact that you were tempted in every way that I am tempted and yet did not sin is... Incredible, Lord. You, you are a hero to us, Lord. No wonder they call you the Savior. Because that's what you are. There's no other Savior but you. There's no other God but you. And so we come before you right now, Lord, and we just want to simply ask, what can we do for you? We already have everything we need, Lord. What can we do for you? On this Easter, we want to really think about that. What do you want us to do? Speak to us right now, Lord. Speak to us in clear and precise ways. Maybe it's going to be out of this room. Maybe it's going to be in this room, Lord. Thank you for the chance to commune with you. We know you're here right now with us in ways we we couldn't even imagine. We know the angels are here with us, Lord. And we worship you, Lord. Even with our doubt, we worship you, Lord. Even with our fears, we worship you, God. Even in our ignorance, we worship you, God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.